The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American power, politics and society. On each episode, I will talk to an American expert or an expert on America about something that's going on in America in 2023. I am delighted to be joined today in The Spectator's offices by no less a person than Roger Kimball, uh, the editor of The New Criterion and a Spectator World columnist and a publisher of many brilliant books. Roger, welcome to London, first of all. Well, thank you, Freddie. It's great to be here in these spacious and you, wood-paneled We're not normally in rooms. this room. We're normally in a slightly smaller room, which is the editor's yes. office, but we're yes. now in the broadcasting room. The Wrong. inner sanctum. The inner sanctum, exactly. <laughs> We're going to talk about Ron DeSantis and the diminishing power of Ron DeSantis, it seems. I think over the weekend, Ron DeSantis fired some of his staffers. There's been talk about money running out, even though he did have a lot of big backing, big donors behind him. What's gone wrong, do you think, Roger? Because not so long ago, people were talking very seriously about him as a a, a serious challenger who probably could beat Donald Trump. Yes. Well, you know, it's been fascinating to watch. I'm a a fan of Ron DeSantis. Uh, I think he's been a fantastic governor in Florida. He has articulated some very intelligent responses to some of the incredible nonsense that is flooding America's uh, universities and the way the mephitic, toxic, noxious wave of wokeness that has cascaded over many of our most important institutions from the business world to the entertainment industry to indeed our military. Uh, I mean, imagine that your military, uh, the, the people who run it, tell you that the greatest security problems for the United States of America are uh, white supremacy and racism. It's ridiculous. And Ron DeSantis has been very good on all of that, very good on critical race theory, very good on Disney you know, Florida's where woke goes to die. All that's terrific. And I do think that he has a very good chance, or perhaps I should say, I thought a couple of months ago that he had a very good chance of being president someday. Mm -hmm. I always did worry a little bit about the fact that he has just been elected governor for for the second time in kind of a landslide. But the, the voters in Florida, pleased at the job he's doing, elected him to keep doing it. So I wondered about that a little bit. I, I, it seems to me that uh, had he said to people, you know what, I'm going to run, I'm going to get elected here, and then I'm going to use this uh, almost immediately as a stepping stone to run for the presidency, they might have been somewhat less enthusiastic about him. But that's, that's a kind of a more general consideration. But you're, you're quite right, Freddie. You, you mentioned his money problems. They're, they're significant. Uh, I know many major donors who have contributed very generously to his campaign. Uh, some of them are beginning to have second thoughts. And his pull on the, uh, the masses, the small donors, is, is very tenuous. So that's a problem. I, I wrote about 
his launch uh, for the Spectator, actually, yes, Spectator World. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I was meeting somebody for dinner later, so I was sitting in a club in New York uh, with my laptop open, waiting for this incredible launch, this, this, this b- brilliant act of entrepreneurship uh, melded by Elon Musk and David Sachs and, 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 and Ron DeSantis. And what I heard for the first 19 minutes was... Silence, <laughs> with you know, punctuated every now and then by by a few grunts and and moans and so on, and then when they finally got it together, what did he do? He read a script that was a, I don't I mean maybe somebody from the opposition wrote it for him, but it was just this kind of conjuries of cliches. You know, it reminded me, as I said in my column, of the character Roderick Spode in one of P.G. Woodhouse's novels. He gets on the hustings there and says, the future lies ahead. Tomorrow is another day. Nothing stands between us and our victory except defeat. You know, it's just all these tautologies. And uh, so that was pretty bad. And then their questions, they had obviously lined up a bunch of his supporters like Chris Rufo, and he was a great guy. But, yeah. you know, they asked him, you know, oh, Governor, why are you so handsome? Why are you so effective? And, you know, so that, that, was, that was kind of poor. But I was willing to overlook that. But then it turns out, I don't think that he has shown himself to be a particularly effective retail politician. He's, he, I mean, he's a great guy. And I, I want to emphasize again how much I admire what he's done as governor. But he doesn't seem to, you know, the word charisma means it's Greek, a Greek word for ham. You got to be able to go, go out there and, and be a ham. And he he's, I suppose, a, a good way, of, a, a positive way of spitting that would be to say, um, you know, he has too much dignity for that. He's, he's clearly uneasy around people. Yes. And um, so that's been, a, you know, that's been a problem. And he's also, he's vacillated quite a bit in his, the articulation of his policy. So, you know, he said at one point to the, 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 our adventure, in, or not our adventure, but uh, uh, Mr. Putin's adventure in, in Ukraine was a territorial dispute. Well, I suppose in one sense that's correct, but it, you know, it ruffled a lot of feathers. Uh, didn't, he didn't seem to quite understand what was going on there. I mean, why should he in a way? He hasn't really had any foreign policy experience. And he's made a lot of other missteps. But if you go back to you know, his, his run uh, for governor, you find that he didn't just appropriate a lot of Donald Trump's positions, he basically became a Donald Trump imitator. There's a little clip of a, a, <laughs> an, a, an advert that he, he put out, um, and it, it shows him doing things like, we're going to build a wall, and he's playing with his kids that are building a wall. <laughs> and his wife says, he's gonna, he teaches the kids to read. He's a great father. And what are they reading? Uh, Make America Great Again by Donald Trump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if I were the Trump campaign, I might just run that all the time, you know. But uh, yes. but it, so there, there is there you you do feel a sense of floundering. You know, Harold Wilson once said that the week's a long time in politics. It it is early days yet, but I don't see. You know, he was supposed to get a bounce after his launch. He hasn't. If anything, he's he's kind of taken a few steps backward. Every poll that I've seen has Trump. You know, it's not. I'm not talking three or four or five percent points ahead he's 30 points ahead well (laughs) even in iowa even in new hampshire these critical first states you know those will be so that'll happen in six months if he doesn't pull it out there it's over well a rumor i've heard and you'll have more insight on this is that he wasn't actually 
that keen to run uh, in 2024 because he saw his opportunity was further down the line. But he was persuaded to do it, and a key person doing this, and people always say it's the wife, so you have to take these things with a pinch of salt. But that Casey DeSantis was very keen that he should run now and that she persuaded him. Mm. Have you heard that? Do you know if that's true? I've, I've heard that, but I do not know that it's true. You don't know yeah, it's true. I've heard it. But and, you see, and I worry a little bit about, you know, you're talking about money. His, I think it's still his biggest uh, donor is Ken Griffin, who was a, you know, yeah. very, a very important financier who moved from Illinois to, to Palm Beach, and he was interviewed and said, "Yes, I, I, um, you know, the problem with Donald Trump, uh, and one of the reasons why I'm su- supporting Ron DeSantis is that Donald Trump complicates the GOP's relationship with the corporate world, yeah. the corporate world. So that's that's represented at the tip top by people like Klaus Schwab, yeah. and Larry Fink." Uh, yeah. From my perspective, they're the bad guys. Yes, and that, complicating uh, that relationship is a good thing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think it is a good thing. You know, I think that and that's one of the things that uh, propelled Donald Trump. I mean, amazingly, I mean, we were told that his his um, his victory was impossible until it became inevitable. Uh, is that he fought explicitly against that globalist impulse? Not because he was against free trade, but he was he was for as he liked to say he was for free trade so long it was as it was fair trade. And he said that you know that the whole phrase "Make America Great Again." I mean that's and that would have been that was first articulated by George Washington. Of course, you're the president of the United States. You're not president of the world. So you that being. For being America first doesn't mean that you're not, you don't have allies, you don't like the rest of the world, but like every household, really, you take care of yourself first, and then you can, it puts you in a position better to help others. So I, 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 that is probably the thing that most worries me about Ron DeSantis, is that I, I, I'm not quite sure he has articulated in his own mind where he stands on some of these issues. Uh, People have, you touched on him being a bit of an introvert there. People have compared him to Nixon, and of course Nixon had a very successful political career yes. until the at the end. But do you see that comparison? Do you think they are similar people, to quite calculating, possibly reserved, awkward with people, not naturally suited to the mass media age? Not really. I, I, I mean, you know, Nixon. Whatever else you think of him, was a a brilliant man. I think Ron DeSantis is very competent and so on. But I don't see him having the same grasp, especially of foreign affairs that, 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 that Nixon did. Of course, he also presided over a lot of bad things. He had, you know, I remember it. People hated Nixon. But it was, in a way, was sort of odd because in many ways he was a liberal. I mean, wage and price controls, he had those for a while. He, he's the guy who um, the, the National Endowments for the Arts and uh, Humanities started under the previous administration, but it was Nixon who expanded them. And those are left-wing readouts. Those are just, those are just sops that politicians, you know, basically give to their wives so that they can be part of, you know, the local pottery, whatever, you know. Yes, honey, see, we're doing this for the uh, engines or whatever. You know, he, on a lot of issues, Nixon was really quite, quite liberal. And I don't see this, I mean, so I haven't seen any evidence of it yet, 
of him being quite as um, well paranoid. To, to, to <laughs> you know, I mean, Nixon did have a. Now it's true, as Delmore yes. Schwartz once said, that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you don't have enemies. Yes. But 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 you know that was a, a liability of Nixon, and it's finally I think led to his undoing because had he not been so suspicious of other people, uh, I don't think that he he would have come a cropper the way that he did. But I I mean maybe maybe we 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 haven't. Ron DeSantis is a peacock who has yet to spread his tail feathers. So we don't really know that much about him. But so far, he seems uh, shy yes. rather than calculating. Well, perhaps the better comparison then would be Nixon and Trump. Um, yes. In, in that the, the amount of hatred that they generate yes. is similar. And yes. they both have liberal instincts. Yes, it's true. That's, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, that's true. I mean, Trump probably more than Nixon, but... But, you know, every single Republican president since at least Reagan has been described by the media as literally Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> literally Hitler, right? I don't know why, they, why the, the, the press feels it necessary to include the, 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 uh, the modifier, but they do. So, I mean, I mean, Mitt Romney, who's, you know, a kind of low testosterone uh, then you know, fake uh, re- Republican. You know they they called him literally Hitler. Be- why? Because he he picked on a kid in high school, and he, on a camping trip, his dog was on the roof of his car. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was all. He got this, you know, like round the clock, you know, criticism of this guy who's actually, you know, he's probably just, you know, kind of milk toast, really. Milk toast woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, so it is true that I mean, were DeSantis the nominee? He he too would be elevated to this pantheon of, of of Hitler impersonators, but I don't think it's going to come to that. I mean, the right. I mean, Newt Gingrich just yesterday was on Maria Bartiromo's show uh, after she she interviewed Trump. I mean, you know, asked him some hard questions, you know, like you, you didn't really drain the swamp, did you? That sort of thing, which is true. But then she had Newt on and said, "Well, Newt, what do you think? How do you do?" He said, "Well, at this point, the numbers are so overwhelming that you know he is." almost certain to be the nominee. Now, Newt, whatever, you know, he's, I can't think of anybody who knows more about the inner workings of American politics than Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Now, whether the person he faces is is Joe Biden is another question. It, I mean, Biden's incapacity uh, grows with every passing day. He can't, I mean, he's never been what you would call eloquent. Yes. But, but he's, he bar- is barely able to get a sentence out. He's, he's physically... Fragile. He keeps falling down, falling asleep, and you know. And I'm not, you know, he's falling asleep at important meetings, and aides have have to come over and kind of shake him. uh, It's it's pretty. And there was the the, uh, curious baby kissing clip. Yeah, and he's over there licking somebody's baby. It was disgusting. It just looked looked very wrong. (laughs) Well, so let's talk about the the polls on the Republican side. I mean, Trump's advantage does seem overwhelming, yet. Let's not write off DeSantis yet, I don't think, because he does still have a pretty impressive polling, considering, you know, he's hasn't got Trump's name recognition. Obviously, the campaign hasn't really begun in properly. He is about going to, we're told, target Iowa very, very intensely. There could be a path for him if if Iowa breaks his way, or because Iowa didn't vote for Trump in, in 2016. True. Well, possibility is cheap. For yeah. It could be. <laughs> Yeah, it could be, and uh, you know, as I said, a week is a long time in politics, and we 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 really don't know. But I keep waiting for Ron DeSantis to do something 
to kind of kick it off. Yes. But so his announcement was what a month ago. And what's happened since then? Well, it seems like one of his tactics, which maybe this is why he's decided it hasn't worked, and that's why he's firing his staffers, was to go to the right of Trump on the culture wars. Yes. Now there have been some people who think that that is a mistake. I mean, I'm there's no one more anti woke uh, th- than I. Yeah. But uh, but I'm not sure. And so, some some other commentators have made this point. In a way, in a way, the the uh, the criticism of wokeness is a sort of boutique position. Mm. It's the, the the people who are worried about putting food on their table, or how are they going to pay the the school fees? How are they uh, how are they going to pay the the rising energy bills and so on? They, you know, they they find all of this woke stuff repugnant, but that's not what they really care about. They want to know. Why the cost of gas is so so high? They want to know why we don't have a southern border anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to know why the plants are closing in Akron, Ohio, and those are the issues that Trump focuses on. And they, you know, they want to know why why are we why have we spent a hundred billion dollars in Ukraine? I mean, where is Ukraine? They would ask their neighbor. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. So it, it's he he did in in some ways run to the right of Trump on those sorts of issues. It's going to be hard to kind of pull back from it at this point, I, I, I would think. But, you know, this shakeup uh, that just happened, it's, you know, 12 senior people on his staff. Mm. That's kind of a kind of a big deal. Well, he's also, it also seemed to me, looking from afar, that he was being outboxed quite easily by Trump. And Trump immediately targeted him on Social Security in New Hampshire. Yes. Which is, yes. a, which is a, yes. you know, a, yes. a pertinent yes. issue in New Hampshire. Yes. And... DeSantis' record does suggest he wants yes. to reform Social Security. Yes. Maybe reforming Social Security is the right thing to do. Yes. Well, um, I mean, but it's not personally, very effective. I, I, would, I would get rid of If it were up to me, I'd get rid of it altogether. But that's one reason why I would never uh, run for president. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing. You have to, you have to get elected. And, yeah. You know, you, there are, let's say you have a laundry list of uh, 117 things that you want to do. Mm. Maybe you can get 20 of them done. Yeah. And so... One of the things that I think that Trump and the other person who's on the Republican side, who I think is quite serious about all this, is this this Indian chap, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's mm. ferociously intelligent, very energetic, and in my opinion, has all the right ideas. Um, I mean, he said at a recent dinner party that on the, his first day in office, he would fire 70% of the civil service. Apparently he's got some, there's some way that he can do that. You know, usually it's kind of a, it's not in the purse of the, of the president, but there's some way he can do that. I think that's great. I mean, I think it should be 85%, but, (laughs) but, but, and you know, I've, I've written this actually for, for the spectator on a few occasions. I'll probably keep writing it. I, if the United States is going to be able to emerge from its, from, from this suffocating blanket of, what Tocqueville called democratic despotism, right? Where, you know, the, the populace is really a, a flock of sheep there to be shorn and directed by the government. The only way they're going to be able to do that is if they can diminish the place of Washington, D.C. in the metabolism of American political life. Mm. Now, why did Washington want 
uh, why did uh, sorry Jefferson want to move the capital from New York to Washington? Well, partly because it would be closer to Virginia, closer to the South, but also because it was neutral territory. This wasn't a state; it would be neutral ground. It's no longer neutral ground. This is a wholly owned subsidiary of the progressive end of the Democratic Party, and the I, I think one of the you know, the founders of, of, of America were always, they're always talking about faction, why this is a bad thing, the spirit of party. It was, this is terrible. Well, we see what they meant now, where people no longer talk to each other. The, the, the differences among, or at least the perceived differences between the two sides get, gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So you have the, the spectacle of the Speaker of the House tearing up the State of the Union address uh, as the president finishes. This was Nancy Pelosi tearing up on TV, you know, Donald Trump's speech. I mean, it's just the lack of respect and so on is, has, uh, has, has, it's been a terrible thing. So I think, you know, the, my, my idea is that the next inauguration, whoever is president, should not be in Washington. They should have it some other place. Uh, I don't insist that it be at Mar-a-Lago. But, but some other place, you know, Kansas. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Department of the Interior should be moved to the interior. Uh, the, the, if you walk down the streets of Washington, uh, most of the buildings are, you know, they're, they're these gigantic uh, factories whose product is to sew the lips of some interest group to the public teeth in such a way that they can never be removed. And it's just the amounts of, of, of money and corruption and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's appalling. And I, I, it seems to me that uh, if we can't do something to move the focus of political power outside of, that, of this self-engorging Leviathan, mm. it will eventually uh, c- consume the, the, the whole country. It's interesting you say that because I mean, we have that, the same problem in London, in, in Britain, yes. on a smaller scale. But uh, we've had this levelling up agenda, which is a very bad name, I think lots of people agree, for the agenda. Mm. And it has not really worked. And what's difficult for a lot of governments when they come in with the idea to break up the concentration of power yes. is that it's actually very hard to do. And you end up making making it worse. Yes, by- yes. that's right. Well, even Ronald Reagan was unable to scale back the size of government and he tried yes. and Donald Trump tried he you know he did his his secretary of the interior David Bernhardt did move parts of that department outside of Washington and so on they think they've been moved back subsequently mm. um, but he you know he came to he, uh, I was going to say he came to power but that is to misspeak we don't really have a two-party system in the United States we have a one and a half party system the regime party is the Democratic Party with their fellow travelers in the Republican Party. They call all the shots. They they kind of, as sort of mascots, allow a few Republicans to be elected. But Donald Trump was not really, he was allowed to take office, but he wasn't really allowed to take power. And that is the, that's the critical thing. He, he, when, he, when he came to office in 2017, he had really, he was very naive. He had no, he thought, he was in charge. He thought he was running like a big corporation. So, you know, I'm the boss. I say what gets what happens, and, and it happens. You know, that's not the way it works. So, and he made a lot of very bad. You know, as they say, you know, personnel is policy, mm. and you know, many of his cabinet choices were appalling. I mean, from the Attorney General Jeff Sessions on down, they were just they. You know, Sessions was loyal to him, 
but he's kind of an idiot and you know he should never have recused himself over the Russia collusion stuff and yes. which now it turns out there was no Russia collusion it was completely made up 100% you know thought up paid for put into operation by Hillary Clinton's campaign and with, with uh, collaborators in the FBI and the CIA and so on and and that's why he failed to Drain the swamp right. because that's he, right. He just yeah. Well, they, they this because this know how to. the swamp yeah the swamp was full of creatures that uh, you know I mean he you know he would give orders to the military about you know things in Afghanistan and so on they just didn't do it yes and uh, so that that but that's not going to happen this, this next time because well, now this, this is the retribution yes yes yes, yes. You see, I, people they went nuts over there when he, when was that was that the CNN no it was the CPAC speech I think yes where he said you know uh, I am your retribution. And the the the, the um, every decent soy drinking member of the media said, "Oh, that's horrible retribution. That's a nasty word. You can't say that." But um, he he's not naive anymore, Donald Trump. And I I'm pretty convinced that were he to be elected, uh, he would have the few thousand people that he would need yes. to to make some astonishing changes. Remember what what he did. I mean, people forget this now. When he left office. Uh, America was not only energy independent, it was a net exporter of energy. Now we have to go to, to the, the Saudis and beg for, uh, beg for oil or the Venezuelans beg for oil. We, we, the, 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 before COVID, the stock market was, you know, you know, just going, it was on fire. Incredible growth of wages, especially at the lower end of the scale. That's, you know, that was, it was deliberate. He wanted to help people, working people. The lowest unemployment in decades, the lowest minority unemployment ever, ever on record. The lowest minority unemployment. We had a southern border. We, it, the, the, on the foreign policy front, you know, he moved our embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. People said, you can't do that. You can't do that. The Arab street. But, so he did it. And what happened? Nothing. Uh, the Abraham Accords. That's a world historical um, foreign policy achievement. I mean, I mean, jets going from uh, Israel to Saudi Arabia, unthinkable. But he did it, and I, I, I kind of like that. In his his CPAC speech too, he he had all these ideas. Maybe some of them are stupid, uh, but I, I like the I, the fact that he has these. He's willing to sort of think outside the box, think yes. outside the bureaucracy. So, uh, well, why don't you know we? You know, our infrastructure problems, let's not try to fix up these rotting cities. We'll start new cities. Yes. Well, maybe that's a stupid idea, but yeah. maybe it's not, you know. And, and you know, America is supposed to be an experimental nation and so on. Uh, well, why don't we make the experiment? If, it's, if it doesn't work, then we'll do something else. And there's an appetite for that. There's an appetite for new ideas because the, the regime, as you call it, is is not producing mm -hmm. new ideas. Yes, it's no, just, it's, no, it's everything's it's this kind of uh, this horrible adipose job of the hut like creature <laughs> that is you know self engorging and stifling. It's stifling. Now that's that's you know just to cite Tocqueville again. He's you know when he uh, those famous paragraphs on democratic despotism. He says the 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 the, the state becomes. This thing that you know, it stifles. It doesn't. It it tyrannizes. It doesn't. It, it tyrannizes in a funny way. It does it through infantilizing the population, making them dependent. And that's what we have in Washington: is this agenda of dependency. You know, they they want you to be dependent. They, you know, who was it in in uh, Davos who said, "Well, you own nothing and be happy." I don't think so. And uh, so we need to, we need to have a vigorous response against uh, against these 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 new tyrants in suits. Well, uh, you, we touched on Biden earlier. 
let's assume DeSantis can't find that narrow path and that Trump is the inevitable nominee. Biden, a lot of people now saying, given that his old age is really catching up with him now, mm-hmm. he might not make it. Do you think he will be on the he will be the presidential nominee in? Well, it's so hard to say. You know, there's a, a a movie, which I haven't seen, but the plot has been recounted to me, called Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. And it has to do with, uh, you know, these people are, uh, they want to have an insurance, collect some insurance or something, but this Bernie has to be alive. But Bernie's died, so they kind of prop him up or something. Yeah. So the, the, the regime may prop Biden up. Mm. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, because he, you know, even now, I mean, he's really a, a puppet for other interests. I mean, mm. he, uh, you know, I mean, you, you watch him give a talk. He's got these little note cards. They say, you know, uh, you know, repeat this phrase and then he'll read that out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's possible. But I, if were I a betting man, I would say, no, he, he won't be the candidate. Yes. And I think it's most likely that it will be. Gavin Newsom from from California he has such a sterling record to run on. You know, I'm he's, just kidding he's, about that. <laughs> but, but he's going to. He's he's you know he's got the shock of hair. He's got the glib smile. He's Nancy Pelosi's nephew, I believe. He, so he's got he's got, he would have the full throated backing of the Democratic establishment. Yes, I hear that said, but then I I mean it reminds me of when people thought Chris Cuomo was going to sort of. Appear, sorry, Andrew Cuomo. Yes, it reminded yeah, me of when yeah, Andrew Cuomo yes, was yes. was um was, was sort of yes. touted as someone yes. who's going to come in. He and lost the nursing home vote. He lost the nursing <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can't see how Newsom. Could, I mean, Trump is very toxic to a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. But I think Newsom would be toxic to even more people. It seems like a shockingly bad. Yeah, I'm just uh, you know choice. I from where I sit. Yes, but yeah. that's a lot of people say that he's you know and I mean who else could there be? Well, that's Adam the thing. Schiff. Buttigieg. I mean, it's a very thin bench. They have a very thin bench. Uh, whereas the Republicans, I mean, there are a lot of plausible people. Push came to shove. Ron DeSantis would probably do a very good job. I just don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Now. I think, as I say, Vivek Ramaswamy is pretty cool. And something that mm-hmm. Trump said in his interview with Maria yesterday um, leads me to think that he might be considering him as a VP or at least a cabinet minister. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just if you watch the interview, he just said some nice things about him. How and you know. Yes. But you know, there's that. I mean, I'm not talking about Asa Hutchinson or other antiques, but there's other people on that uh, on that roster who are, you know, fairly impressive. You know. Well, Roger, we'll end it there. But thank you very much for coming into the spectators' offices, and well said as always. Freddie, it's great to see you. Thank you very much for listening to the Americano podcast. I would like to thank my brilliant producer, Natasha Faroz, and the rest of the Spectators broadcast team. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Thank you very much. God bless America. <laughs>